Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, The Priority of Marriage, Part 2. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Your family needs to be your number one priority. And if you're neglecting your family, trying to reach other people's family, you've got things out of order. That man doesn't need to be in a position of leadership. See, there's a mentality among ministers. I'm talking about men, ministers. That they have looked at it that my ministry comes before my family. And as a result, some of the biggest ministers that you've ever heard of have lost children. And their children have gone to hell because those men did not have their homes in order. Billy Sunday, who was one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, on his deathbed, he led hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. And on his deathbed, he cried out in agony. He was tormented, saying, My God, I've won the world and sent my own children to hell. He had two sons that died alcoholics, drunks, in rebellion towards God. Did you know Oral Roberts had a son who committed suicide, an alcoholic, and he gave an interview to a magazine not long before that, and he says, man, if God, if my father has anything to do with God, if that's the God that you're talking about, I don't want anything to do with him because he took my father away. Now, Oral Roberts has admitted that. I'm not criticizing that man, but I'm saying that that was not the way it was supposed to have been. You do not have to sacrifice your family to be a minister. There's another well-known minister that I won't mention his name, but I'm sure every person in here would know exactly who I'm talking about. And I was recently up in Canada holding a meeting, and the man that I was with was very good friends with this well-known evangelist. And uh, this man, this evangelist, his son was so unruly that when he was a teenager, he assigned him into the military. And uh, the military wasn't an answer for it. The son got worse, and so when he got out of the military, he didn't even go home but instead, this evangelist called this pastor friend that I was with, and they went and picked him up from the airport. All he had was the clothes that were on his back. They took him into their house, kept him for 18 months, and ministered to him. And during this period of time, this boy would come to this uh, minister, and he'd just cry and say, You know, my dad never threw a baseball with me. My dad never played a game with me. And he said, I'd have given anything if my dad would have treated me the way you treat your kids. This man that I'm talking about has five children, every one of them, uh, the pastor who took this boy in, has five children. Every one of them are in the ministry with him right now. Every one of them are serving God because he put a priority on his family. But this son that they took in for 18 months, he was on dope, he was an alcoholic, and finally he died from cirrhosis of the liver a result of being an alcoholic. He died at, I think, 21 or 22 years old. And when this pastor, when this minister found out about it, he had to call the father of the boy and tell him what had happened. And when he called him on the phone, he had just gotten back from a trip to India, traveling around the world. And when he told him that his son was dead, he, his first words were, he says, well, I guess that's the price you have to pay for being in the ministry. And boy, I tell you, that when they told me that, that just grated on me the wrong way. God did not call you to sacrifice your children and send them to hell so that you could go around the world and reach somebody else. The Bible says that if I don't take care of my family, I've got no business telling you anything about your family. And those are the qualifications of the Word of God. If we would adhere to that, did you know what? There'd be a lot less people in the ministry today. Either that or they would go back and they'd put their family first and get their home in order. So I'm not saying this to be oppressive or, or suppressive on a woman, okay? 
I'm putting the same qualification on me. All I'm doing is saying that a woman has the same restrictions on her that a man does. I've got a responsibility to take care of my family. I've got a responsibility to provide for my family, and if I can't do it, then I've got no business ministering to anybody else. If a woman does not fulfill her number one calling on her life, which is to minister to that man, then she has no business doing any other type of ministry or anything else. And anything that is going to compromise that ministry to that husband or to those children should be secondary, and she ought to make sure that first priority is meant before she does anything else. Amen? Isn't that simple? There's nothing hard with that. But, brother, if I did that, how would we make ends meet? Don't buy a brand new car. Buy a used car. And let God prosper you. But a used car, are you expecting me to travel around in a used car? We won't sacrifice our brand new car, but we'll sacrifice our children. I, you couldn't expect me to do without a new car. Well, either do without maybe a new car or do without your children. I know that that's tight, but that's right. Did you know that most children today in our society are being raised by somebody else? And I don't care who else you get, there is nobody that's going to love your child the way you love your child. And God did not give anybody else the command to train up your children. God gave it to you. And brothers and sisters, we have not put things in priority. And because of it, marriages are falling apart today, not because people really want it to, but because of neglect, because we've been caught up, because we've received the mentality of the world that to be a success, I've got to go out here and do this. Did you know that a ministry, again, I'm not saying that a woman's only ministry is in the home. But I'm saying that a woman's number one ministry is in the home. And you can read over in the 8th chapter of the book of Matthew where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And after he rebuked the fever and the fever left her, Peter's mother-in-law rose up and ministered unto them. And that doesn't mean that she sat Jesus and his disciples down and started preaching to them, amen, opened up the Torah and went to uh, preaching something to them. It means that she was ministering unto them like fixing food, washing their feet, taking their coats, doing things like that. Did you know that that's a ministry? Now, that's not the only ministry that a woman can have. I've got a very good friend. I was just on her television programs. I went there to meet with her board and all of these things, and she's a woman in ministry, but I guarantee you her home's in order. That husband's the one that runs that ministry, and her home is number one. And I sat down before we talked about where this ministry was going to go. I said, what's your desire? And she says, I just want to do whatever God wants. Says, if he wants me home darning socks, says, that's fine with me. I just want to please God. Her, her priorities are right, and therefore she's free to do something else. I'm not saying that a woman can't do something else, but I'm saying that a woman who is neglecting her house, household, her husband and her child to be able to minister to somebody else has got it all messed up. That homework, housework, is a ministry. And did you know if you'd look at it that way, you'd get benefit out of it. You'd receive a blessing from it. If I looked at what I'm doing tonight as a drudgery, as something that I had to do, and if I had to force myself to stand up here and do this, did you know it wouldn't benefit me? The Bible says over in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, talking about submitting yourself to them that have the rule over you, that they may do it joyfully, because if they do it grudgingly, that's unprofitable unto you. Did you know when you do something grudgingly, it's not profitable to the person that does it or to the people that are hearing it? You have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to know that what you're doing is what you're called to do, and you have to enjoy it. Amen? 
And if a woman is doing those things at home, if she's listening to somebody being uh, run down those things and say, well, you're wasting your time. You're ruining all of your talents here in this home. And if you've swallowed something like that, it'll take the joy away from the ministry that God has called you to. But you know, not long after we were married, one time Jamie was in there and she was just praising God. And I went in and she, was she had washed my clothes and she was folding and ironing my t-shirts and things like this. And she's in there just praising God. And I said, what's the matter with you? And she said, is that right? Well, you're ironing my shirts and folding my t-shirts. All right, I've got to get this straight. She's the kind that would iron my t-shirts, though. But anyway, she was in there praising the Lord, and uh, I asked her what was happening. She said, I am so blessed that I can wash your clothes and minister to you like that. Now, some of you ladies think, oh, man, that's the pits. Well, I told her, I'm glad you can, too. Amen. I never enjoyed doing it. But did you know because of that, see, because of her attitude... She saw it as a ministry. She knew that she was ministering to me. She knows that I appreciate it, and she was doing it as an act of love, and because of it, she was reaping the benefits of it. There are some of you that look at your housework as just, I have to do it, you don't like to do it, and so therefore you don't do it hardly. You don't do it as a ministry to people. And it's not, you aren't reaping the benefit, and neither is your family. But I guarantee you, it is a ministry. I'm speaking from a man's standpoint that women, you will never know how much difference you can make in a man's life if you would take your ministering to your husband and to your child as a ministry and pray about it and say, God, show me ways to minister to them better. Boy, if you would do that, it can make a tremendous difference. You know, I've come home from the office and I don't have a job like some of you, maybe. I'm working with Christians, but you know, working with Christians can get hard sometimes, amen. <laughs> And I've come home from the office, not now, praise God, but in the past I had some terrible staff problems so that every time I got back from out of town, man, all of these things just came crashing in on me. So-and-so said this about the other one, etc., etc. And I've come home with financial problems and things that I mean at the office, it's been all I could do to pray in tongues and keep my head above water. I mean, it's been, it's been oppressive. I have some of those things happen to me in the ministry. And I've come home sometimes in Jamie... Because she's not out experiencing the same difficulty. She's been home. She's been praising God. God's been building her up. I walk in the door, and did you know she's fixed cookies that day, or she's fixed a pie, and she's, you know, you got the smell of that food. And uh, this may sound carnal <laughs> to you, but I tell you what, you, the smell of that food, and somebody there to greet you and tell you that they love you and are glad that you're home, and the kids come running up. Did you know, man, I mean, it, it can just throw off tremendous problems and worries. You can just leave them at the door. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That is a reality. Some of you men could amen that if it's ever happened to you. <laughs> but really, sometimes a woman doesn't understand. They think, well, I'm just fixing another meal. I've got to fix the meal. If you would look at it as a ministry and recognize that, you know, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Amen. There's a lot of truth to that. And really, you can, affect, you can affect a man's attitude by doing things like that, and you can help him to resist the discouragement, the negative things that are coming against him. Can you imagine what it would be like if a woman is out in the same workaday world that the man is? She's out there experiencing the same pressures, the same problems, the same uh, things coming against her. She's just as much in need of encouragement as the man is, and then both of them come home from work. She's going to resent fixing the meal. 
She's going to resent washing the dishes. It's going to become a source of contention, and she's already got a chip on her shoulder, and they're probably going to have a confrontation. It's going to come against this one flesh covenant. That's not the way God ordained it. I tell you, you women, I'm not saying, again, I'm trying to qualify this so nobody will misunderstand me. I'm not saying you can't do something outside the home, but I'm saying there is nothing outside the home that you can ever do that will supersede or substitute for that ministry in the home. And unless you got that in order, you don't have any business doing anything outside the home. And if a woman would understand that, man, you're in a blessed position. You can stay at home and pray and worship and seek God and get in the Word of God and get built up stronger than horseradish so that when your husband comes home, you can be a blessing to him. The Bible says two are better than one. Out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If one fall, the other will lift him up, but woe be unto him that's alone when he falls. God intended that the woman be a help sufficient for the man. Not a weak position. I'm talking about a strong position. A woman should be in the Word. A woman should be built up to such a degree that the husband who does have to be out in the world and who does have to contact people and who does have the responsibility given him of making a living, when he comes home, boy, I guarantee you his wife should be able to lift any weight, any burden off of his shoulders that he's got. Did you know that the American family hasn't been functioning that way today because women have been put in a position where they're out doing just as much work, they come home just as tired, just as bummed out as the man is, and they don't have anything to give? Women, Satan's stealing from you. Satan's stealing from you. Your ambition's putting you in positions of stress and strain that God didn't make for you. Another thing that we'll deal with, I'm sure, is talking about the difference of men and women. And did you know that God made a man to be able to take things better than a woman as far as stress and things like that? The Bible says this over in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, talking about a husband uh, recognizing that a wife is a weaker vessel and giving honor unto her as a weaker vessel. That does not mean she's an inferior vessel. She's different, okay? A woman is not inferior, she's different, and she was not made to bear the same emotional stress and things like that that a man is. A woman who is putting herself out there and exposing herself to those same things is opening herself up to some things that God never intended for you to have. And I promise you, if you are deficient, if you're under stress and pressure, then it's going to show up in your ministry to your husband, it's going to show up in that relationship. Satan's going to use that to break this oneness and come against it. Amen? Why y'all look excited over that? You know, you don't have very many people to say this, or at least wise, I never hear very many people say it. And I, again, want to qualify this in saying I'm not mad at anybody and I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm trying to show you God's best. It could work differently. And you can probably see some examples of uh, women that work outside the home and really don't minister in their home. And maybe they're making it. But I guarantee you, they aren't making it as good as they could if they'd do it God's way. This is God's system, and we'll be dealing with this more first uh, over in Titus chapter 2. It says that the elder women are supposed to teach the younger women to be chaste, keepers at home, to love their husbands and to love their children. That's not saying the only thing you can do is stay in the home, but you can do nothing that's more important than that. That's your number one responsibility. Amen? And sisters, if that rubs you the wrong way, I just encourage you to let go of your self-ambition and begin to submit yourself to God and say, God, what do you want for me? And I promise you, God will show you that there is nothing more important in your life than your husband and your children. There is nothing. There is nothing. I can relate this back again to myself. This is not a sexist thing. 
This is not me preaching down to women because I can relate it to myself. There's been a time that I've been tempted to make this ministry number one because, you know, it's so easy to do. You can sit there and say, but people need it. I can show you today thousands of people that are born again because of the ministry God's called me into. I can show you thousands of people that are alive today that would have been dead if I hadn't laid hands on them and prayed for them. I can show you miracle after miracle. I, it's important what I'm doing. And because it's important, it would be very easy for me to sit there and justify and say, man, it's, whatever, it's worth whatever the costs are. But God has established a priority system for me, and I guarantee you my home... My relationship with my wife and kids comes ahead of this ministry, and if my relationship with my family was to suffer as a result of this ministry, the first thing I'd do is try and get it in balance, and if it was out of control, and if I saw I was in trouble, I guarantee I'd shut this ministry down. I'd walk away from it tomorrow to keep my family in order. And some people think, brother, you just aren't committed. But I believe that that's God's system. God instituted the family before he instituted the church. And I can promise you this, that if your families and your churches are not in proper order, then your church is not going to be strong either. If the husband and wife are learning all these great things about faith and all of this, but then they aren't practicing it with each other, if when they get home they yell at their kids and they don't have their children in order, I promise you Satan can rob from you everything that you learned at church. The Bible says in James 3.16, where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And if you've got strife in your home, it's like a cancer. It's like something deadly in your home, and you cannot tolerate it. It's got to be in order. If your home isn't in order, your church won't be in order. And so I believe that the home occupies a higher place of priority than the church, than the ministry, than anything else. Amen? And boy, if you would just elevate the home to that position, I think that a lot of things would straighten out right there. I really do. If we recognize, if we just got our priorities in line, if you would sit down and say, am I neglecting my children? Someday, are my children going to be grown and gone? And I didn't really get to know them because I was out so busy making a living for them that I never spent time with my family. I didn't have time for a vacation. I didn't have time for this or that. If you'd sit down and if your priorities are out of line, if you would just put your family number one priority, and I mean make it a priority in your life, your marriage would change a lot right there just by the attention that you give your wife and your children. Do you know this minister's marriage seminar that we held? It was real easy for me to minister to ministers because I know exactly where they are. I know exactly the feelings that they have. And we counsel them that they need time with their family. They need to set aside family time. They need to take a day off because they don't get weekends off. They need to take a day off. And some of the questions were, but how do we do that? If somebody in our church needs help and they call, what do you do? What do you tell somebody that needs help? And I told them, man, you have to set a priority so that you sit there. And if they're dying, tell them they're going to have to die some other time. But you've got a time set aside with your family and it's just number one. Some people can't relate to that, but I promise you, if you let those kind of things interrupt your relationship with God, number one, and then with your family, you eventually are not going to have a good relationship with God and your family, and you'll eventually not have a valid ministry to other people. Jesus turned away the multitudes and went into a desert to pray and to seek God and to spend time with Him. We've got to do that in our personal relationship with God and also with our family. It is never going to be convenient to put your family number one. It is never going to be convenient. There's going to be demands on you, but you've got to do it. 
You know, I've made a decision that, boy, when I come home from the office, my kids and my wife are number one, and I am not going to bring my work home. And I know that sometimes that looks hard because, I mean, I've got so much things to do. Sometimes it's hard for me to go to sleep at night thinking about all the things I did not get done and the deadlines that I didn't meet. But I've just made a commitment that I, I guarantee you I'll let the ministry go down to twos before I'm going to destroy this family. And so I just have set times. When I get home, that time is my family's time. And I am not going to bring that work home, and I'm not going to do it at home. Well, there's some of you that could take heed to that. I know God's not having me say this to the people that aren't here. <laughs> Every time you go to teach it on some, somebody saying, Boy, I wish so-and-so was here. They really need to hear this. I know God sent me here for the people that are here. And there's some of you that you've been slighting your family. You have not given them priority. You don't mean to do that, but I guarantee you, unless you have a deliberate plan to resist this, it will happen to you. Satan comes with cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things to enter in and to choke the word. And our families have been choked because we have not elevated them to the priority that God established them. That's the most important thing in your life. God said to a sinless man, it wasn't good for him to be alone. To a sinless man, it was some, this is a divine institution for God, from God. And we've got to start putting our family in that position, elevated to that priority. And if we do, so many things will just take care of themselves. They'll begin to work out when you establish that as number one priority. Amen? You need to establish some time, special family time, like a vacation or something, and don't let something put that off. I'm guilty. There's been times that I've been so busy that we just shortened our vacation, took a couple of days, went somewhere, and all I did was work the whole time. That's not godly. And I guarantee you it's going to hurt your family sooner or later. You need to have a deliberate plan to put into practice to make that family number one. Praise God. Something that I've been doing in my life for the last two years, I heard a man in our church, a layman, minister on the difference between opportunity and necessity which I hadn't got time to explain that, but it, boy, it changed my life. And as a result, I've been getting up very early in the morning, every morning since then, which wasn't my nature. My nature was to be up late at night and sleep late in the morning, but uh, I couldn't get as much done. So I've started getting up very early in the morning. I do that every morning, and I spend time with the Lord and pray and seek Him. And I would encourage all of you that before you can implement these things, your number one priority has to be God before your family. If your relationship with God is failing, you'll never be able to make this relationship with your family the way it should be. So there needs to be some deliberate plans. And I would encourage every last one of you to start spending a quality time with God every day and make it something that is not an opportunity, but something that is a necessity. Because I promise you, your relationship with God is going to fail if you don't spend time with Him. Your relationship with your family will fail if you don't spend time with God and with your family. And it is not an option. If we would just wise up and open up our eyes, divorces are happening all around about us. And it's not just in the world. The church's divorce rate is nearly the same as out in the world. And it's because people are neglecting it. We're in the same lifestyle, the same rut as the world. And there needs to be some deliberate action taken. You need to 
establish some goals and say that you're going to spend quality time with God and quality time with your family every day and make it an unalterable thing, a discipline that you do, and come hell or high water, it's going to happen if you have to let something else go. Amen? Some of you aren't enjoying this a whole bunch. I can tell, but it's going to be good for you. I promise you. It's, it's important. You know, I watched a show one time, and I'm not into TV watching very much. Very seldom do I watch TV, really. But I was holding a meeting in Corpus Christi, Texas, two years ago, and I was there by myself, and I was in a motel room, and I came home, and I was just wide awake. I couldn't go to sleep. And so I was just going to flip the dial and see the news or do something like that. It's the only time I turned the TV on the whole week that I was there. But I just, anyway, that night I just turned on the TV, I flipped the dial, and, it, and they had an HBO channel, and they had on some show that I think the title of it was O'Hara's Wife, I think is the name of it. And it was just a total secular, carnal show, all right? It was not a godly show at all. It was just a secular show, and I, I felt guilty and condemned, but I sat down and watched that thing. And I believe the Lord must have had a purpose in it, because, anyway, the plot of this story was that this guy was a workaholic, he was always, he was a nice guy. He loved his family, but he never expressed it. He never showed it. Finally, after 20-some years, his children were nearly grown. He had promised them all that they were going to go on a vacation to Europe, and this was the night before. They were getting packed and ready to go, and the office called. He was a lawyer, and some special case came up, and he had to stay. And anyway, he was about ready to cancel the thing. His wife was in there just singing, and she was so happy. First time they were having a vacation in 20 years or something, and she was just ecstatic. When this phone rang, you could tell that she had fear all over her, like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. And while he was on the phone talking to his secretary and saying, well, maybe I ought to stay, she was over there saying, no, no. And finally, she had a heart attack, and uh, they rushed her to the hospital. She died in that situation. And anyway, the story, to make this long story short, she came back from the dead in a ghost form. Nobody could see her but this man. All right? And he went through, I mean, he was ready to die. He was, you could feel the grief that this guy had and the remorse that he had never really enjoyed his wife. And she was gone. Then when she came back, she started preaching to him about now you're going to give those kids what they need. His family was falling apart. And the whole plot of the story was that he started realizing that he had wasted his life on what? on a job, and that all of the important things were gone. His children hated him as a result. He had lost everything, and through this ghost wife, she uh, counseled him. He finally went in one day and told his boss just where to get off and everything else. He had been uh, oppressed by them, and he did what he should have done all along. And I tell you, it, was, it ministered to me. It convicted me, because even though I put a priority on my family, I guarantee it broke my heart to see that I had spent time away from my family, not giving them the priority that I should. And God used that old carnal thing to get my attention and to show me that there was nothing more important in my life. This man was a success. He had a great business, but I guarantee you when his wife was gone, he had nothing. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Your life doesn't consist in how well you know all of the football teams and what they're doing. Your life doesn't consist in your job. Your life does not consist in your hobbies and in your sports. The thing that you're seeking for, the thing that God gave you to make you complete is a mate. And you may have been moved off of that. You may not have been putting it at the priority you should, but I'm here tonight to 
to stir that up on the inside of me and let you know that, brothers and sisters, the only thing outside of your relationship with God, the only thing in this physical life that is going to minister to you and supply that need and that desire that you have is that marriage relationship with your mate. And boy, you need to recognize it is exactly that important. Don't let a job come in between. Don't let anything else come in between. In-laws or nothing else. If you would exalt it to the position God's put it, I guarantee that right there would stop 90% of it just because you were on top of the situation. You were praying about it. You were seeking. You were desiring that above all else, and it had come to pass. Most marriages today are failing because of neglect, because they're occupied with other things, because husband and wife are going different directions. they got different careers. they got different bank accounts. Husband and wife, there's no purpose for different bank accounts that I can think of. Maybe you got something that I don't know about, but whenever a, whenever a wife begins to say, this is my money, and a husband says, this is my money, you aren't walking in one flesh. You aren't one. Man, that, we just ought to be one. Anything that comes between that union ought to be resisted. Amen? And if you'll exalt it like that, I tell you, it'll go a long ways to changing your relationship. Praise God. We're going to be dealing with what causes strife. Some people think, well, it's them. They cause strife or this circumstance. No. Did you know that you can take two people, expose them to the exact same set of circumstances and get to two totally different reactions? Strife is not caused by circumstances, by things that people do. It's your response on the inside. And if you can find out what in you makes you get angry and operate in strife, then you can shut that off. And we're going to be dealing with that. I know Rich and Tina are going to be teaching on forgiveness and, and the role of husband and wife. And there's a lot of practical teaching that we'll give. Really, marriage is not hard. It's very simple. And if you'll take the things we talk about, I promise you, your marriage is going to be changed. But all of these things that we're teaching on are useless unless you establish the marriage as your number one priority. If you take these things and apply them for two or three days or a week until you see some results and then you go right back to your lifestyle and go your separate ways and don't keep together and keep that as the most important thing, it doesn't matter what anybody tells you. It's not going to work. I really believe that the biggest problem, there's many, but the biggest problem is just the fact that we're going our own way, doing our own things. We have not established and had it established in us and seen the importance of marriage. We haven't seen it from God's standpoint. And so that's what I desire to do tonight. And if you'll receive that, I believe that this will become a foundation for everything else we'll be teaching the next couple of days. Y'all receive that? Praise God. Did you get blessed through that? Anybody get convicted? Well, I did. Any of you workaholics? I'm believing that before this week's over, you're going to get that in priority. You know, that can sure be used. You can get a lot done, but in the end result, you're going to wind up destroying some things along the way. And I guarantee you, your family's not worth it. There's a lot of things that need to come in line. And I believe we're going to see it happen this week. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. 
We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.